2020. 2020, it's been an interesting year, hasn't it? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's been a challenging year for a lot of people around the world, of course, and in our nation. Um, who would have thought that we would have a pandemic in 2020? And um, when you look around, you look at the life has changed. I think that it would be hard to imagine anybody in this world that in some way life hasn't changed, that routines are different, their thought patterns, their expectations, their beliefs even have been challenged. We, we get in routines, we like routines, but when things change, you get unsettled. And one thing that we've seen a lot this year is a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. You know, the things that you used to enjoy, it's hard to enjoy because you're not sure about things. Like, let's go to that football game. Well, we can't really tailgate. Well, we can't really, I don't know, can we cheer out loud real loud because I might be talking too loud. And, you know, so it's just been a different year. Um, but in the midst of all of that, God is, he hasn't changed. He has not been caught off guard or surprised by any of this. And so my hope this morning is that somehow, some way, you can begin to sense God's presence, begin to sense a certainty, a hope, a peace that maybe isn't there right now. Um, if there's an emptiness inside of your life, there's a question about the future. <clears throat> My hope is that that'll all change for you today. My belief that the message that I'm going to share, I really don't know exactly how it's going to speak to every person, but I believe that it will. And... I believe that there are people that are not followers of Jesus that are going to become followers of Jesus because it's suddenly going to make sense to them. There are also many that are believers and followers of Jesus that are suddenly going to sense a, an eternal purpose about their own life. That's going to change as we go into the new year. So let me begin with prayer, and then we'll jump into the message. So Lord, right now, I just pray that in some way, you can catch our attention that our gaze, our heart, our mind will suddenly settle on an eternal God that is, that's been there all along. And I pray that you would just change us. We thank you in advance in Jesus' name. So the title of today's message is Plumbline. Now, you're going to learn a little bit about what a plumbline is. If you don't know what a plumbline is, a few of you may not be in that camp. But I'm going to start with a verse. And this is a, an instance where a shepherd was hearing from God and he saw this vision and 
And then he, God, showed me, Amos, another vision. And I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built with a plumb line and was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. A few months ago, in a prayer meeting, um, I was, it was a very special time. We were praying for our nation and um, what was happening coming up into the elections. And I, I was suddenly saw a picture of a, a clock, a pendulum-style clock with a pendulum that was swinging like this. And suddenly, the pendulum stopped at the bottom. And then it was as if that pendulum turned into a plumb line. And I saw this plumb line, and, and I was just sort of thinking about, wow, that's interesting, plumb line. Why am I seeing this plumb line? And about 10, 15 seconds later, I sort of come out of this sort of experience. And then the speaker on the stage said, the Lord is holding a plumb line for our nation. And I knew it was just that moment where I said, God is doing something in the midst of all of this uncertainty. And I began to realize that I needed to sense that. And so I want to start with some questions. I want to get you thinking just a little bit. Just a little bit. First question is, have you ever believed something you thought was true, but later you learned it wasn't? Anyone? anyone? <laughs> How did that make you feel? Yeah, especially if you were really a, an evangelist about that thing. You were just telling everybody about this thing, and then you realize, hey, this really wasn't even true. So, you know, one thing that I, I tell you what, you, no one, uh, most people, don't like to be told they're wrong, Right? Is that not true? I mean, you, no one likes it. But you know what? I think it's actually harder, at least it is for me, to tell someone they're wrong. Could it be that there's some things in our lives that we believe that aren't exactly true, that need to be changed? Okay, here's a little picture. Have you ever seen something that was crooked or out of place? And do you want to fix it? I have a picture of a candlestick here. The candle's tilted. Maybe you've seen a door in your house that always, always sticks, and you can see at the top of the door jam, it's sort of crooked. It's out of place. Something's happened. I don't know, the wall settled, or maybe the builder didn't quite build it right to start with. Who knows? But sometimes that happens in our own lives, where it's like 2020, could it be we're suddenly realizing my door's crooked. There's something in life. There's something about society. There's something about what we're being told and taught and the constant mantras of society that they're crooked. They're just not really settling in our hearts. So God has set a plumb line for all to see, and he's calling Everything, everyone into alignment. So let me start with a picture. Um, this is actually something I found online of a plumb line. And so, and I actually brought a plumb line with me, believe it or not. I have one, and I've used it one time in construction. So this is obviously the line, and at the bottom is the bob, plumb bob. And builders will use this to find... Is this straight? 
They use it for framing. Some use it when they're wallpapering a wall. You know, when, you, when the corner's crooked. If you start in the corner, it's going to be off all the way. So you gotta, you got to find that, that plumb center in that wall. And so you use different tools. There's a lot of newer things these days, lasers and levels. But there's an old saying, plumb bobs never lie. Plumb bobs never lie. If God is holding a plumb line, I submit to you that God never lies. God never lies. And if he's holding that up to me and he's holding it up to you, he may be saying it's time to make things straight. Time to make things straight. So let me start by setting the record straight. First thing is there is a God. He's alive. He knows who you are. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Let me say that again. I want you to just hear this is true. There is a God. We've been singing about this God this morning. He's alive. He knows who you are. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So here's where we start to challenge the the thoughts coming from our world today, and it's, it's not your way or your truth. Have you heard this saying? I, I never heard it till this year. Um, someone says, you have your truth, I have my truth. I couldn't believe when I first heard someone say, that's your truth. That's not my truth. It, it was just sounded crooked. <laughs> it just didn't set with me. And yet that's what... You and I are being told in society, we're, we're, we're being taught this sort of relativism, this there's no absolutes, which is, which is interesting. And in fact, I'll go to that point next. And that is, this, I learned this, I learned this. I was tried to get taught this in college by my psychology teacher. He said, there are no absolutes. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. But, you realize for that statement to be true, it would then have to be an absolute. In other words, you can't make a statement that there are no absolutes unless there was an absolute position to make the statement. It's just absurd. So when you're taught there's no absolutes, it's not true. But the only reason we're being taught that is so that you can stay off the path. You can stay off what truth is. You can continue to live a lie. And it's the mantra of our age. It's the mantra of our day. So I'm going to do a first here, I think, at fullness. And I'm going to actually bring up a song. This song was written in 19, in the late 60s. It was actually recorded in December of 1968. Um, is written by Paul Anka, recorded initially by Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. And so um, it was released in 1969. It became the sort of theme going into the early 70s. So I'm actually going to play the first minute or so of this song. 
And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again Too few to mention I did What I had to do Saw it through Without exemption I planned Each charted course Each careful step Along the byway And more Much more than this I did it My Way <laughs> It's a beautiful song, isn't it? It's a really beautiful song I Go to the last verse And I'm going to read this to you I'm tempted to try to sing it because this is when in the really crescendo. So, what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Yes, it was my way. So, Frank Sinatra, he died in 1998, and I'm going to read a little bit more of an excerpt. His daughter, Tina Sinatra, was interviewed by the BBC, and here's just some excerpts from the interview. The song My Way is a hymn to individuality and egocentricity and has become the chosen lament at funerals and bars across the world. But his daughter, Tina Sinatra, says the legendary singer came to hate the song. He always thought that song was self-serving and self-indulgent. She said he, he didn't like it. The song stuck and he couldn't get it off his shoe. He didn't love it. Sinatra, he lived a life to the full, marrying full-time, four times, and enjoying a career brought the trappings of wealth and power. At the height of his fame, he mixed with the stars and presidents. But as, as his daughter explained, he was beset with doubt, insecurity, and later guilt at the way he had behaved. My way. My way. You see, it, it's a really beautiful song, but there's something missing in those words. It's, it's, a little, it's a little out. You see, if you follow your way, 
It may leave you empty. It may leave you confused. It may leave you in fear. But this is where my message begins to transition. If I left you here, I would have failed miserably. But there is a way. There is a God who has a path, who's holding that plumb line path for each of us. So I want to tell you the second point, and that is the way to true life, eternal life, is free. You may have heard that before, by the way. But you may not have heard that it'll cost you everything. Jesus Christ, born 2,000 some years ago, is the most important person who ever lived on the earth. Jesus Christ is the most important person who's ever, ever lived. And so the question is, do you know him? Do you know why he came? Do you know what his message was? Do you, have you been introduced to him? You see, you notice I didn't say the church. I didn't say a religion. I didn't say a set of rules. Talking about a person. And his name was Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, to God, but by me. So that Simple phrase is true. It's plumb. It's for you. And so you have to start with not only is Jesus a person, but he is the way. He's not a way. He is the way. He is the truth. So when you're wondering what is true, what is, what is plumb, what is right, it's found in Jesus Christ. He's the life. If you want to live, the, live life in this world, you've got to find it in him. The word of God also says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let me just take a few seconds to share what this verse is saying. The first statement is that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, what is a Lord is not a term we use in modern English, but it basically means as the one who rules your life. It basically means the one who's in control, the one whom you submit to, the one that you trust, the one that you believe in. And so it's the one that you literally say, it's your way and not my way. When you make this decision and you realize that there is this God and his name is Jesus and that he loves you and you make him Lord of your life and you confess it. A confession is not something that you just sort of hide. And that's why I said it costs you everything. It says, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you believe that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. You'll be saved from what? A lot of things. A lot of things. Um, eternal separation from God. You'll be saved from 
the confusion of this world, the confusion of this age, um, the confusion of your own self. This is one of my favorite verses. And if you're still not quite sure exactly what I'm saying, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you know, you, you really are saying, I want this. I, I really do. I'm not sure what to do. Do I have to get good? Do I have to do all these good things? Do I have to go get my life fixed? Do I have to become religious? Do I have to stop? No, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right where you are, wherever you are, if you just say, God, I'm calling you. I want you to be my God. Instantly. That decision, the most important decision a person can ever make in their life is to make that choice to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And, and, I, and I hope in some way that I can communicate that to you, to implore you to almost to say, listen, this is the essence of life in this earth, to make this decision. Don't live your life like Frank Sinatra, glamorous, everything was amazing, and get to the end of your life and say, man, this was empty. This was... This wasn't right. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. This time of the year, we talk a lot about peace on earth, goodwill to men. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Truth. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I really like this verse for a lot of reasons, but one, a couple things. When God comes into your life, there is a peace that comes in. You're no longer off balance. There's suddenly a balance. There's suddenly a, ah, it makes sense. There's this peace. There's an assurance. There's a sense of, Eternity that wasn't there before. Jesus also sends his spirit. God's spirit comes and leads us. He doesn't leave us alone. When you accept Jesus, he grants us the spirit, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into truth. You don't have to be wondering about this and that and have no idea what to do next. You begin to, the same way you call out to God and say, Lord, Save me. The next day, you're like, Lord, what do I do now? <laughs> what do, and, and God begins to speak to your life. He begins to lead you in the decisions of your life. That making him Lord, making him the one who rules your life continues each step of the way. And guess what? He's with you. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. Is that not good news? You don't get that on the cable news anymore. All you get is fear and doubt and anger and hatred and say one thing the next one day, then the next day they say it different, then the next day they say it different. Why'd you say it different? Well, I, 
because I just wanted to, I didn't want to scare you. And so you've got this, can't figure out what to do. That's what the world does. And so I, as, I, as I end this, this sort of second point, my hope and prayer is that for every person here in this auditorium, everyone who may listen to this message online, make Jesus the one who rules your life. Call unto him. My final point today is really a message to maybe the one who just became a follower of Jesus and all of the other followers of Jesus. A few months ago, about the same time in October time frame, this phrase came to my mind, and I wrote it down. It was, make the commission the mission again. Make the commission the mission again. Now, see, I grew up in church life, and we were taught what was known as the Great Commission. You ever heard of the Great Commission? The Great Commission. We also were taught about missions and the importance of, of mission work. So let's talk about commission. Military officers get commissioned. A commission is an authorization or command granting power to act in a prescribed manner to perform prescribed duties. So that's a commission. It's when you were given authority by someone to go do something. You now have the authority. You're, you're commissioned. A mission is, is really going with the commission. It's the act of, it could be a vocation, it could be a calling, but it also could be the process of going to carry it out. And so my closing point really to the followers of Jesus is make the Great Commission your mission. If it's never been your mission, make it your mission. If it used to be your mission years ago, I believe the Lord is saying we are entering into a day and hour where people everywhere are suddenly waking up and realizing I need something other than what I got because what I got ain't working. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm afraid. I'm confused. What I thought I believed, I don't believe anymore. And I don't like it. I feel like I've been betrayed by the world. So Matthew 28 says, go, or as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So I'm not going to break down this, this commission. There's a couple of examples of where Jesus spoke this to the disciples in the New Testament. couple words that jump out at me is the nations. The nations talk about people groups. They talk about ethno groups around the world. You know, taking the gospel to the nations. Making disciples of those nations. The next point I want to tell you about is the third great awakening. So, I've been hearing this for many, many years. If you look back in American history, there's been 
a couple great awakenings. These are times when suddenly people in society become enamored or greatly aware of God. Suddenly they're awakened to spiritual things and they're suddenly, they're open like they've never been open before. And it's been prophesied that there's going to be a billion soul harvest. Now can you imagine a billion people becoming suddenly followers of Jesus Christ? You realize, and I've said this to my, my kids a few times, is that the old, there's a saying that you can't take anything to heaven. And I said, well, that's actually not true. You can take people with you. And I would rather think about eternity with the people that somehow came with me because I shared this eternal message about an eternal God who loves them. And so my prayer, my final point to the church is that let's be about the Great Commission. Let's be about the mission. Let's say, how can I in some way contribute to something that's going to last forever? Amos, back to Amos, interestingly. Amos said this, a time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. And there's, there's another translation where the, um, the, how does it say it? But basically, it's gonna, the, the harvest is going to be so plentiful, we can't get it all. <laughs> and I believe this speaks of a time where you're going to see so many people saying, I want Jesus, I, I just accept him, what do I do now? And there's another, I, I just accepted Jesus, and I, what do I do now? Where's the, where, I hear about a Bible, where do I get one? Do you have one? I don't have one. I've never read it. How, where do I start? Do I start in the beginning? Can you imagine a, a day and age when that's coming? Would you want to be a part of that? So you're going to say, what can I do? Well, you can pray. Um, I'm not going to read this scripture because I want to I close, but I basically you can pray. You've got to think about time and redeem time. You've got to think about sharing your testimony. Um, walk in wisdom about what those you're around, you know, your coworkers, your, the students you're with. Um, everywhere we go, think about how is my life affecting the people I'm with? You can support missionaries. People that are on the mission field love to know that you're praying for them. They care for you. They're, they're praying. You know, that little email you send that you think doesn't matter. Maybe a $10 check that you, or Venmo somebody, however you send it. You can disciple other people. Pick one person. Find one person. Take them to breakfast. Take them to lunch. Call them on the phone. Begin to share with someone. Share with a new believer. You may be called into the ministry. You may be called like the Apostle Paul was, where he went from a persecutor of Christians to one of the greatest apostles to walk the earth. That may be you. So I'd like to close... I'm really with two points. God is placing a plumb line. 
I don't know exactly how that's going to speak to you. I don't know what it means in your specific situation. If you're not a follower of Jesus, call out to him. If you are, maybe he's saying it's time to stop a few things. Maybe God's making it clear to you. I need to, I need to shed that off my life. I need to change this priority. I need to go do this because God's been saying to do it, and I know I need to do it. And my question to you is, will you respond? I hope that you will. We're going to close out this service today by singing an old hymn. Pastor Bart's going to come and, and lead us. This song was sung in the 1950s, Billy Graham Crusades. Anyone ever been to a Billy Graham Crusade? A few of you had a privilege of going to a Billy Graham Crusade. I remember in the 70s going and hearing this sermon that was probably half as short as this one, very quick, very short sermon, and someone starts playing this song, Just As I Am, and people are just streaming down. I'm like, where are they going? They're just streaming down to the front to receive Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, pray with me right now. God, thank you for this time I could hear about you. I believe in you. I lay it all down. I want to follow you the rest of my days. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Bart, if you would lead us. Stand up with me if you would. I, every single person here today is somewhere. I know that's obvious, but you're in different places and wherever you are right now, as Chris has said and claimed the word of God to us, just examine your life against the plumb line of God's word. And wherever you're out of alignment, uh, by the way, if you're out of alignment, it's, as he said, it's not God's problem, it's yours. And come back in alignment with him. So as we sing this old hymn, just these couple of verses of it, um, just align yourself with the word of God. Just as I am without one
sing that first verse one more time, just as I am without one plea. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou morning that we can come to you just as we are and that you take us you cleanse us you set our feet on a solid place and that lord we can then go out fulfilling your commission through your power and your might that indwells us lord we thank you and we bless you now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day in the Lord. Thank you, Chris. And don't forget to get your prayer guides and prayer cards as you depart from the building today.